Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a fresh episode of the cast. Today our discussion takes us to the realm of reality and missed expectations, dwelling on what it looks like when our paths don't necessarily take us to the place we thought they would, and how we can respond to disappointing circumstances. That's right, Snakebirds. It's a wonderful day to be here again with you, and we hope you're ready for another topic that gets the old gear spinning. Mm. Because today's topic is one that should make us think. It's not necessarily a deep topic, but it's one that impacts, I would dare to say, all of us. Yeah. And that is taking a reality check to recognize what's real and what we think is real. So, uh, believe it or not, this is one of those things that if we're seeing it correctly, it can free us from an enormous amount of stress, I would say. Yeah, I think so. Uh, We live in the age of dream boards and perfect social media posts. I I don't think you can click on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your social media flavor is without seeing something that just looks like somebody has it all together and their kids look like they're perfect. Their house looks like it's perfect. They drive the right car. Their spouse is always in a suit or whatever it might be. It just, you're like, I I can't compare to that reality. Yeah, that's true. And before we even decided to do this episode, that's kind of what we were talking about, how social media is just one of the major culprits in, in shaping the expectations people have on, on how a proper family should look, how we as individuals should look, um, even have a lifelong pursuit chasing what we think is ideal, only in some cases to find at the end of the road that it doesn't measure up to what we thought it would. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so for me, the purpose of this episode is to speak into the life of our listeners, because <laughs> they're the ones that are catching this, yep. to talk about either um, missed expectations or failed expectations, and then uh, encourage all of us that when life is hard, to know that God is in control and he can make something beautiful from our mess, from our ashes, from uh, what we would misconstrue as a uh, a failure. Yeah, for sure. I'm really excited we're doing this episode. This is one that I think it helped me as I studied it, and it'll be a good good one for the arsenal to go back to from time to time. Yeah, yeah. And it's one that I think, um, while you said it's it's not necessarily the deepest topic ever, I think even just a few years ago, and much like I'd needed a refresher course, this is something that would have really benefited me as I was like, well, I'm seeing and I'm not married and like this is happening and this is happening and I had all these plans God and yeah. and you haven't come through and and of course what does God say as he looks at the whole parade he's like hey be patient I've got this and he knows what he's doing but man in in the in the waiting it's difficult yeah it is in the mist it's it's hard to see so it, it this is like you said it's not deep but sometimes it's not the deep stuff that gets us it's the little things that we don't if we don't have a good world view of it it's it'll trip us up yeah yeah exactly because failed or unmet expectations can be super painful and they can start to cause you to doubt your path and your purpose they can challenge your faith and your belief and uh, they even have an opportunity at times to drive a wedge into your relationship with god If you're not looking at them through the right lenses or um, placing your faith and your hope in the right place. Yeah, too true. Mm -hmm. Been there many a time. Yes. (laughs) Camped out there way too long, unfortunately. 
so going forward, um, I came up with three examples from my end uh, in Scripture where this topic plays a pretty big part mm-hmm. uh, as far as what people expected versus what God's will was. And in each of these, um, I preface the, like, subtitled it Pursuit of, because okay. that's what we do. We pursue what we believe is ideal for our lives. Um, and so, Josh, I know that you you have quite a few as well, mm-hmm. but um, the first one I have is the pursuit of pleasure and comfort, which I chose the prodigal son to illustrate this angle. And before we get into it, um, I want to say that I realize there's going to be two different types of people that approach these pursuits. We have unbelievers and believers. Naturally, the motives will be very different behind the pursuits, depending on who a person is living for. So uh, in my first example, the prodigal son, it's he's kind of based his pursuits from a place that seems more to me like an unbeliever rather than a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and my next two examples are, are flip-flopped on that. So uh, I, you can take yours first, Josh, or, or me, but I just thought I'd kind of throw that out there because there there's a couple different angles, if you're a believer or not, in how you you will see um, these expectations in life. Yeah, yeah. I like how we always end up like the Batavi brothers from Night at the Roxbury. You, me, you, <laughs> yeah, me, yeah, you, me. So, yeah. <laughs> well, like, you guys have talked about this before you recorded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you go first, and then I'll go, and then you go, and then you know. Okay, yeah, we'll do the thing. Okay, do the, do the thing. So the prodigal son, prodigal, prodigal. Yeah, I think either way. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> Shoot, you might even keep it in there. I might. I'm going to keep all of this. Oh, mercy. The prodigal son. I think most will probably recall this story, but just a, a quick recap. It's a parable found in Luke 15. Uh, Jesus lays out this very deep story. It has way more than we're going to discuss here. But in part, Jesus tells us about a character type that's chasing after something ideal, and then discovers the reality of that endeavor. And the gist of it is, there's a young man, one of two brothers, who's still under his father's roof, and this young man starts to get discontent with where he is in life. Call it boredom, call it rebellion, chasing your dreams, call it whatever you want, but this young man was after a change of scenery. He imagined that the grass was much greener elsewhere than where he was. So he goes to his father, and he wants to jump ahead in life by acquiring his inheritance early. He wants to leave his father's house with that money. And I do imagine what might have been going on in his head with this. Uh, he Was he just completely irresponsible and wanted to party it all the way from the get-go? Uh, we, we see that is what he ended up doing, but I still wonder what those initial motives were. Was, it, was he thinking that he was going to break away from the family business and just make his mark on the world? We don't know for sure, but what we can see from the story, whatever his plans were, whatever dreams he was chasing, he wound up in a place that he did not expect, and he was totally grieved by it. Mm -hmm. And of course, he ended up coming home, prepared to work as the lowest of low laborers for his father, only to find the grace and mercy extended by his dad, just like God offers to us. It's an awesome story. But looking back on this character that Jesus illustrated, there is so much application that we can gather for our lives today. We mentioned social media earlier, and I can't help but wonder how many times someone has chased a dream based on the life they think someone else is living. Mm -hmm. They see the lavish lifestyles that people post about on Instagram or brand new house or car that people are bragging about. 
And the next thing you know, you're kind of sucked into that matrix of trying to portray this image. Maybe even in some cases losing everything, you know, getting in debt, trying to obtain that image. And I, I think if the prodigal son lived in 2021, this is probably the very thing that would have pushed him to chasing that dead end. Mm-hmm. So whether we ourselves are someone who who has squandered our lives like that, or we simply find ourselves at a point where we're thinking, this is not the destination I set out for all those years ago. My life was supposed to look much different than this, and I'm nowhere close to the satisfaction that I thought I would have at this point. If that's something that you're feeling now then you should know that it's never too late. You're never too old to accomplish God's plan for your life, well, which will actually result in the, the peace you were initially chasing. When mm-hmm. you first set out for that, that peace, that desire to fulfill you, that will. And you're never too old for that. God can do that. He is that patient with us. And so I would just encourage you to, to read Luke 15 deeper if you feel led to do so. And let the truth of that sink in as you consider a return to your true father and his plan for you. So that, that was my first domino in the discussion. Just a situation that it's at a point of deeper regret and expectation. And someone might feel that there's no returning from that destination, and they found themselves, you know, just in in despair and, and depression or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So that that was my first domino. Oh wow, I, I I like that one. I think, especially coming at it from the slant of there are going to be <laughs> some that have these expectations from the point of a the viewpoint of an unsafe person versus the viewpoint of a saved person, because again. I agree with you. In retrospect, it doesn't seem like his plan was to go out and squander all of his fortune and yeah. find himself in the pig pen. He definitely didn't plan on the pig no. pen. I know he no, didn't, but yeah. I, I do wonder, you know, what, yeah. where was that initial? Yeah. <laughs> he, he needed to, to um, you know, of course, budget a little bit better. But <laughs> well, this didn't work out. That, yeah, that, that did not happen. And, and yeah. that's what adds to the, the neatness of the story. But still, um, you know, I just think about how many people are uh, maybe just coming to God going, I thought my marriage would last and yet here we are and things are crumbling or mm-hmm. I thought I would have been able to have kids by now and except I found out that um, through unfortunate circumstances, things are not working. I thought I'd have this job and have this income or be able to afford this car or this house. And I thought just dealing um, in these ideals would make them real. And of course, you know, those are where we find shattered expectations. And so I will present my first one. And I didn't put necessarily a pursuit to that, but I will add for Hannah, um, my first example, that she really wanted a family and she wanted to be a mother. That was her pursuit was uh, motherhood. And so to tell her story, uh, if you'd want to read it, you find it in the very beginning of First Samuel. It's in First Samuel chapter 1. And just to tell you a little bit of who she is, this is a woman who was living a life in shattered expectations. She wanted nothing more than to enjoy being married to her husband and to raise a family. I can only imagine that she had all these baby clothes that she'd already sewn and knitted and all the latest child-raising gear, at least the latest tech for around 900 BC. Uh, (laughs) She'd already compiled that and uh, she had it all together for the day when she would discover that she was with child. But it didn't happen. 1 Samuel chapter 1 tells us that for years 
She went to the house of the Lord and prayed and cried and waited, and yet nothing came of it. Until one year, she was praying and weeping bitterly, mouthing her words to the point where Eli the high priest saw her and thought that she was completely sauced. But she said, I am pouring out my soul to the Lord. I'm not drunk. I'm just in pain and grief. Seeing her pain, Eli said prophetically, May God grant you whatever you're asking of him right now. And that very year, she got pregnant and she had her baby Samuel, whom she dedicated to the Lord. And, um, you know, I think this is one of those stories where you just have this young woman who she's in this uh, marriage. And of course, he has two wives. He has another wife named Penaniah, who was fertile Myrtle. <laughs> and at every opportunity she had, she made fun of Hannah. And uh, Elkanah, her husband, was like, I, I don't care. You're more than enough for me. You, um, you bring me as much joy as 10 sons would. And yet in her mind, she just wanted to be a mom. And I think of all those people that are out there that are just asking God, why has this not happened? Why do I have to wait? Why um, are, why have you forsaken me in a sense? Uh, I don't know if you're going to have that Hannah-like situation where you do eventually get pregnant, but I know that there's other opportunities for people to become moms. And um, I think for her, just waiting on the Lord, that was that was her that was her reprieve. That was um, what brought her uh, joy. And that was what brought her a breakthrough. And so um, I think for those that are living with that type of shattered expectation, the the goal and the, the secret sauce is waiting on God and, and giving your, your um, grief and your sorrow to Him. And uh, that's, that's my first domino. Yeah, that's really... That's a, a real struggle, isn't it, for so many women out there? Uh, and, and there's men too; they just want to be a dad. So mm-hmm. that's that's some awesome takeaway from that. It's I can't imagine that struggle. I, I was blessed with kids, but I, I can't imagine wanting that so bad and and not having it. But you're right; the weight on the Lord and trusting in Him that's going to be key. And I can comment that from a pretty personal angle because um, for years I waited. Um, as a single man to be married. And I, I was like, God, all my friends are married and, and like their kids are getting married. <laughs> like, I don't know if they were at that point. I think they're all in high school now, but that would be fertile Myrtle. I, yeah. I was like, come on. And then, um, you know, for me, I, I thought I'm going to be married by 25 or 28 or, and then it ended up, I had to wait till I was 35. Yeah. And of course, the woman that God brought for me is wonderful. I couldn't ask for more and I couldn't ask for better. And so um, that expectation, while I felt like it was shattered, was met in the waiting. And then um, through a series of unfortunate events, we are unable to conceive. And we went through um, a lot of sorrow with that. And yet here we are as foster parents now. And we uh, have had the opportunity to not only have one uh, little boy stay in our house for just a, a very, very short time. Now we have this little girl that's staying in our house and we um, can't call ourselves mom and dad necessarily, but we are this girl's foster parents. And 
it's a complete fulfillment in my mind of God's promises and God's um, delivering on his uh, side of things. And so I would just say for anyone who's out there going, well, God's not meeting my need. What I want to say is he may not meet your need the way you think that he needs to meet it, Mm. but he has a way. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a high calling. We're we're so happy for y'all. Yeah, that too. praise the Lord. That's great. It's it's really neat. It's hard, but it's really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving right along, this next one might sound a little bit strange, but it is the pursuit of utopia. Oh wow! Now, utopia is a word that I've used before, and the definition is an imagined place or state of things in which everything is perfect. I believe this is a major realm of false expectation that people have in our day and age, whether it be nationally or in our own little circle of people. And what I'm getting at with this pursuit is someone who sees what they believe is right, and they set out to fix what's right in their eyes at all costs. You might think, Steve, what's wrong with fixing what's right? Well, maybe nothing, but maybe a lot, because God's utopia might look much different than ours and our expectations as well. So I chose to use Israel longing for their very first king to illustrate this pursuit. Mm. If you'll recall Israel's early beginning, God is telling Moses his plan to redeem Israel from Egypt, and his entire plan is to have this people he is redeeming unique from all other nations. Um, Exodus 6 verse 7 says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So God always intended to be Israel's provider and their king. He displayed his power and love for his people with all sorts of crazy miracles, uh, food that rained down from the heavens. Every step of the way he provided and he was their leader. And what we eventually see is that Israel almost like a spoiled child starts to imagine a life even more perfect than God has given them. Even though God warned them not to forget who he was to them, Deuteronomy 8, and uh, Joshua warned them as they were given more freedom at the end of the conquest, Joshua 24. And Israel, after being provided for so well, eventually started to imagine a better world for themselves through a human leader by human means. And after some time had passed, in the time of Samuel the prophet, Israel wanted they wanted to be like all other nations. They wanted a king. First Samuel 8, 7 through 8 says this, And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people regarding all they say to you, because they have not rejected you, they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, and that they have abandoned me and served other gods, so they are doing to you as well. And what we end up seeing is that God's warning to the people, it came true. Israel traded their loving king for an earthly king who treated them just like the other nations did. They took their sons and their daughters for servants and laborers. Um, Everything they produced, they had to give the best portions to the king. The young men were taken for armies. Basically, they traded their freedom in God for the very slavery they were delivered from. And as we look at all of this, We can see it as an early seed of sin in the heart of Israel that was never uprooted. Sure, they had some mountaintop experiences with God as their leader, but they always had that slow-growing seed of discontentment growing in the back of their mind. Um, It's a striving for more than God has provided. They'll get all of us if we let it. So for some in our current time, 
this might be on a national level, just like Israel. If only this political system was in place, then everything would be in harmony. Or maybe it's a little closer to home for us. Maybe it's something like, if only I didn't have to deal with this particular person, then everything would be so much easier. If I were in a different position. Or maybe you're even having thoughts along the lines of, yes, I've always loved my spouse, but we've just grown so far apart, and I want that spark again. I feel that spark now for someone else, perhaps. And it doesn't matter if it's Israel 4,000 years ago or you and me today, Every one of us have seeds of this sinful thinking that can make us strive for an imaginary utopia when God offers everything we need. And though we could have possibly set out with good motives at first, chasing some life we thought God had for us, we might end up finding that there is much more joy in the life we avoid or have because that's God's will for us. And, I, you know, I probably could have summed all this up much quicker by reciting the philosopher TLC who once said, don't go chasing waterfalls, but I had to put my own spin on it. Stick and, to the rivers. And... <laughs> right. <laughs> but that, that is one thing that I see a lot nowadays is people imagine things, if they were this way, then things would be harmonious. If things were were you know there's so many things we imagine that would be better and we look past so many blessings and doors that would be open if we would see them right there mm. in front of us and so that's one that that I thought it was pretty important and and a decent maybe not the best but a decent comparison with with Israel striving for a, an earthly king rather than God yeah well i mean when you talk about shattered expectations what they it's kind of a it's like one of those um memes where it says what we wanted and what we got you know <laughs> yeah because yeah. uh the client's <laughs> expectations and the client's budget or whatever right. and it's just like um so heartbreaking that they come and they're like we want a king so we can be like the others and yeah and then they went out and they chose saul because he was good looking and he stood a head taller than everyone else and yet um when you find saul he was among the donkeys and when you find david he was among the sheep and yeah. i mean just a total disaster and and god even goes i i think if samuel had the 10 commandments in his hand he would have broken them on the ground as well right <laughs> you know because no he was just like what what do you mean you're rejecting god as your king drink them <laughs> yes yeah yeah let me let me uh tear up this gold calf so you can drink the water and yeah. and just and God even coming and being like, whoa, 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 they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Yeah. <laughs> like, take take it easy, you know. And knowing that he sovereignly saw this coming, but still, their expectations, I think they, they thought they were going to get so much. And, and yeah. yet what they, what they lost was a really close relationship with uh, the Father. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's interesting talking about utopia because I, I just think there's so many people that it's they have that one thing and, and maybe it's money, but they have that one thing and it's like, if this could just happen, yeah. then every other thing would fall into place. And that's not real. Mm. I mean, in our minds, in our imaginations, we might think that's real, but it's just not. And I know money does make things easier, but it's not the answer to everything. Because while maybe there is a, um, 
uh, influx of money, our health can still go. Oh, yeah. And our relationships can be strained because of money. Um, there's so many things. Well, I think you said it. You know, everybody has their thing. I, I've known people that their, their dream is to be in a certain type of house mm-hmm. or have a certain type of muscle car so they can go to shows and yeah. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Everybody has that, that thing that think, if, if only I had this. Mm-hmm then I'd be fulfilled. And so that's, that's the whole idea mm-hmm. looking at Israel. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what do they say? The grass is greener on the other side because there's more fertilizer. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I don't know if I have, <laughs> but I'm chuckling now. So, okay. I, I like the, um, pursuit of utopia. All right. So I'm going to call this the pursuit of success. And I'd like to bring up, uh, a young man named Jeremiah. If you'll recall, he was a guy who was about 17 years old when God called him. And um, you'll know from reading the book of Jeremiah that even though at times he didn't even want to say what he was supposed to say, but he just, he said it burned in his heart and he couldn't help but speak it. And, uh, we later find out that he's known as the weeping prophet because he cried tears of sadness at almost all the time, not just because he knew what was about to happen, but also because no matter what he tried, he knew the people wouldn't listen to him. He had seen and heard of his contemporaries with some success in their preaching ministry, but not himself. On top of that, he was left with the poorest and most wretched part of Jerusalem when all the choice people had been carried off as slaves or potential servants by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the conquering king. They were all uh, going to live in Babylon, and they left him there uh, just to see more death, decay, and destruction of the land that he loved and the people that he daily preached over. He was also lonely. God had forbidden him to marry or to have kids, knowing full well that the living conditions they would be facing with disease. Uh, Jeremiah, I think, 16.3 says that bodies would be unable to be buried. Their flesh would be devoured by the birds. Um, as they even faced sieges, people would be tempted to consume their kids, which was really scary. Mm. And for 40 years... He had no real success or change. Uh, He would take time to write out a warning or a a prophecy in a scroll, only to see the king uh, use it as kindling in his fireplace. This is a guy who his expectations just never met his his reality. And um, it's so ironic that some people's favorite verse comes from his writing. And and I can quote a lot of people that would say that this is their favorite memory verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. But the circumstances surrounding that verse are so tragic because this is a letter that was written to those that are on the road to Babylon crying because they've just been evicted from their homeland And now they're having to go to a foreign land to live. But God says, I'm going to bring you back in 70 years, and I have plans for you. And I just think of Jeremiah and maybe those that are even serving the Lord in some capacity of ministry. And you're like, one day, this is going to be so big that, you know, I'm going to be on an easy street and I'm going to make a really nice living from being in ministry. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to see success here. 
And maybe that's not what God has for you. Maybe it is more like Jeremiah, where it's just like toiling and and pushing forward, but never losing heart. And, uh, you know, it's just his story is really one that's difficult. And it's, it's one that I think God included in the Bible to make sure that we stay grounded and um, we don't despise the days of small things and we don't fix our eyes on on um, numbers or monetary gain as being the only measure of success. Oh, yeah, that's good. Man, that's such a tragic story with Jeremiah, too. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. I mean, just the emotional state that... that probably put him through yeah yeah and the fact that you know he really literally sunk into a well and sunk into a a great depression and was carried off to egypt crying and saying this is not going to work and i mean there's just so many examples and i think for us we have to take to heart what paul said in second corinthians 4 16 through 18 he says therefore we do not lose heart even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And as difficult of a time as Jeremiah had, his time of suffering and wanting success is over. He's graduated. And I think that's just one thing that we can lose sight of is that, you know, this world is not our home. And while the the calling that we have here might be difficult, what we're pushing on for is our eternal home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's funny that that was your next one because that that leads into my next one, which is another prophet. Who, oh, cool! All he has kind of the same emotional um, state of not not being the type of prophetic life that he probably thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Jeremiah handled it a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knowing who you've got next, I, I think so as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, this next one I have. You were done, right? Josh? Yes, I was. <laughs> All right. So the next one I have is pursuing your feelings. And this will be somewhat familiar, but this portion, I wanted to highlight the case where someone has been living a life seeking God, but following Him at times doesn't feel like you think it should. And the character I'm choosing to illustrate this is Jonah. And most of us... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Most <laughs> of us know the bad choices that Jonah made, his, his attitude problems and, and everything, which, if we're honest, that part of his story is probably very similar to some part of our story at some point, mm-hmm. too. But I didn't pick Jonah for any of his normal highlights. I picked him because of the emotional state he found himself in at the end of his story. If you'll recall the mission that he initially had, he was asked by God to go and minister to the Ninevites. And the Ninevites, as we probably already know, were an extremely wicked and uh, blatantly rebellious people. And Jonah didn't want to do it. They were the type of people who opposed God, not the type in his mind that deserved a second chance. And as the story ends, Jonah is sitting there in the distance outside the city, completely depressed because God chose to forgive this people who responded to his warning given through Jonah. And in Jonah's mind, he was serving the God who David wrote about in Psalm 145.20 that said, 
the Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Mm. Or the God who ordered the Canaanites to be wiped off the face of the earth. Jonah had an expectation that God would use him in the same way that he had used others in the past. And he wanted swift judgment on evildoers. But what Jonah failed to consider was that God would use him to display his love and his mercy to undeserving people. And there at the end, he was just overwhelmed by discontentment because his expectation didn't match up with God's plan. And as I pondered this emotional situation, I couldn't help but think of every single one of us who have, or even right now, are at this point of confusion and disappointment because we had a beautifully planned out image of what our role in life would look like. Perhaps we've crossed every T and dotted every I. We've played by the rules and we've done exactly what others have done, yet they seem to sit in a much different joy than we do. Why is that? And I think in hindsight, we do see a lot of reasons why God does what he does. But in other cases, we might never know why certain things play out the way they do. But this much we can be certain of, that God's grace is sufficient. And might not be something that brings instant comfort and healing for emotions we have in the midst of it all. But God's not going to let us down. Even when we find ourselves frustrated with shattered expectations in our life, we're just not sitting quite like this looked in someone else's life when they did the same exact thing. And um, I, so I just want to share some verses that I thought were really helpful in times like this. Hmm. And I think it's good even to memorize scriptures like this so we have God's word close when we need it the most. The first one is Galatians 6, 9. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Isaiah forty thirty one, But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable. Always excel in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And then one of my favorites is Psalm 73. And I'm just going to read three different portions of it within that psalm. 1 through 3 says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then verse 16 When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. And 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but my God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Hmm. So those are just some great scriptures that I return to often because I find myself from time to time just like Jonah, down in the dumps, a feeling of frustration or at times even discontentment with my life. It's just not feeling and looking like I thought it should or I think it should. 
And um, I remember the core of who God is in my life when I start making the choice to rest in that. I start to regain that spark in life that God gives us through His Spirit. And I and I wonder if Jonah had done that a little sooner than he did, mm-hmm. um, how much of a spark he would have gotten back in his life to go and have the heart that God had of mercy and reaching out to undeserving people. Yeah. So that's that's a big one is is the pursuit of feelings because mm-hmm. feelings, man, they get us every time. A lot of times, if we if we shoulder blow through those feelings and just yes. do the the steadfast everyday pursuing God, we'll find that it's a mist we come out of quicker than if we didn't look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, golly. Just thinking about all the times that I've let my feelings drive versus what actually is real. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, no and how too. I'm like, I mean, it even affects how I think people think about me because I'm like, well, clearly they don't like me. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's just how I feel. It's not necessarily the reality of it all. Um, I really appreciate you bringing up Psalm 73, just the perspective. And I think it's all about for us getting that mindset correct, because that is going to lead the way that we act towards one another and act towards our, our family or our situations. Because if we haven't won the mental battle, then we've already lost, um, everything else. That's true. It's so true. Yeah. So, I mean, Jonah, (laughs) you know, I understand where he's coming from because the Ninevites just were wicked. Yeah. But if God says, hey, I'm asking you to do this, you got to you got to go. Well, and it, and it reminds me of, of, like you said earlier, like a, a pastor who who's, is preaching and they, they're not getting a lot of numbers in their church and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. Jonah, he knew of previous prophets that had yeah. a lot of great success. And, yeah. they, and they they rained down judgment on mm-hmm. the enemies of God. Yeah. And, and here he is in his role. He That's his expectation of what a prophet mm-hmm. does. And oh, yeah. God said no. We're going to show mercy here. I can only imagine like the Sons of Thunder where he's like, (laughs) I'm I'm warming up. Here goes the lightning. I'm calling down the thunder. And next thing you know, God's like, go and and offer mercy, offer repentance and yikes. And the sad part about his, you know, the book of Jonah is that we don't even know where he's at when it ends because he's just, it ends with a question. Yeah. Like, what is it to you that I show mercy? Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a great one. So I went another direction uh, for my other domino. I keep calling them dominoes. <laughs> I think I started as oh, okay. that way. Uh, for <laughs> another example is uh, Abraham, because his story is pretty familiar to most people, but it's an interesting story for sure, because <laughs> here's a 75-year-old man who was living in a foreign land that was essentially his whole world. Uh, It was his safety. It was his familiarity. It was his stability. That's probably where all of his friends were. It was uh, his family, his life. Some commentators say that he even lived a little bit on the coast, so he might have had like a beach house. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and the next thing you know, God's saying, come out of your country because I want to make a great nation out of you. And he receives these amazing promises, but the expectations of what he was heading towards versus the reality of what happened, I'm sure it was very difficult because not only was he promised to become a great nation, 
he's looking at his wife who is like, uh, she's kind of past childbearing <laughs> years, God. And he didn't have a baby at 75 years old. It was 25 years later when his wife was 90 and he was 100. And he, of course, tried to help God and he had Ishmael um, 13 years earlier. But it wasn't until 100 years old that Isaac, the son of the promise, was born. And I just couldn't help but think about his expectations versus his reality and what he was expecting. I I read this uh, just in preparation, is that um, even at the end of his life, and even though he received the promise of God through Isaac, and, and now that he's known to all of us as Father Abraham, all that he ever really owned land-wise was a burial site for his wife. Oh, wow. That's the only piece of land that he quote-unquote actually owned at, at the end of his life. That's wild to think about. Yeah, yeah. And yet he's the father of many nations. He's, you know, God showed him the stars in the sky or the sand on the seashore and said, this is uh, the generations I'm going to make uh, of your of your lineage. And so... Um, it's one of those stories, again, where I feel like we have to look and understand that God sees the big picture in our lives, even though we have these expectations and we have these hopes and these dreams um, of God doing something major in our lives through this moment. This this now word is so powerful. Like, God, I want you to do it now. Yeah. But we don't know what he's got down the road. And he can be doing something amazing that we might even miss because we try to jump the gun. Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing I think about with Abraham, too, is when God told him that he was going to be the father of many nations, he it says that, that he believed mm-hmm. and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yes. And that's, yes. and that's the key right there. I mean, he's the dude is that old. Mm-hmm. And he's like... All right, Lord, I believe you. Yeah. I mean, I, there's no questioning here or anything. I'm just, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I believe. Yeah. And so that is key right there is just the belief that God will see you through. Yes. And and he's the example that Paul points to in the book of Romans of salvation through faith. Yeah. Because Abraham believed and God accounted counted him as righteousness. And yeah. like, that's so awesome. Yeah. And yet, um, for me, God's like, well, I'm going to do something big in your life. And I'm like, when? Why? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, you didn't do it, so it, it's clearly not going to happen. You know? And I mean... Golly. That's a mixture between Napoleon Dynamite and Eeyore. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite married Eeyore, and now he doesn't love technology and or that's me. hunting wolverines. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's so much takeaway from Abraham. Yeah. So I, I just had one more that I wanted to bring up. And again, I think I might be kind of hitting on the same um, type of circumstances with some of these individuals. But the last one that God brought to my mind and put on my heart was Mary and Martha. And I felt like for them, they had kind of a unique situation because they had a personal, close relationship with Jesus. And um, the first time that we meet them, like, there's a lot of debate on whether Mary is actually Mary Magdalene. And some people are like, well, she's, there's three different Marys that you have to understand this. And like, some people are like, there's only one Mary. And And some people are like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, 
according to some scholars, the first example that we meet of them is when Jesus has come into their house and Martha is in the kitchen huffing and puffing and like, ah, you know, and she's trying to cook dinner and Mary is just sitting in there enjoying Jesus's teaching. And Martha goes busting in and she's like, don't you care that she's not helping me and I'm slaving away. And, and Jesus is like, uh, Martha, Mary's chosen the better thing. It's okay. You know? (laughs) Can I stop you for a minute? Yes. Okay, so we got to, as men, figure out how to handle our women like Jesus did there, right? (laughs) Because, like, she came in with the mad walk. And I know when my wife's doing the mad walk, I just shut up. (laughs) But Jesus, he whatever that formula is there... You've chosen the wrong way. She's chosen the right way. I gotta figure yeah. out how to say that to. No, I'm not not to you, babe. Uh, let's maybe we should move on. <laughs> it was a cushioned deflection that brought a lot of wisdom. I just there was a light bulb that went off, and we had to pause and talk. I I apologize. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, maybe continue. there's some failed expectations there, some <laughs> shattered expectations. Um, but love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Angel, I still love you. Please. (laughs) The mad walk. Oh, yeah. So um, fast forward to their situation. They're living in Bethany, and they've got a brother named Lazarus. And Jesus really loves this family. He's good friends with all of them. And they're a ways off, and he receives some notification that Lazarus is sick unto death. And of course, we, you know, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you know, this story is basically Jesus is like, well, Lazarus is going to go to sleep. And his disciples are like, well, that's, that's good. He's going to heal while he's sleeping. And Jesus knows that he's, he's dying. Mm. And um, he even waits a little bit longer to allow this to occur before he goes back to Bethany. And when he gets there, I mean, things are just bleak. And he, the first, one of the first people he encounters is Martha. And I find it interesting that both Martha and Mary say virtually verbatim things because she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And, uh, and then they get into a theological debate because he's like, (laughs) I I can do anything, Martha. And she's like, well, Lord, I know that I'll see him on that day, but until then he's dead. Yeah. And and he's like, well, you don't know what I'm going to do. And then they continue on and he goes back, he goes over to almost what we would view as a funeral home where Lazarus has already been buried, but there's mourners and there's Mary and Mary. The first thing she does when she sees Jesus is she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And as Jesus is taking in the crowd and he's taking in the situation and he's looking at the circumstances, this is the shortest verse in the Bible that a lot of people are like, I do have verses memorized. Jesus wept. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as comical as people make that, I think there's so much power in those two words. That's true. Because he he sees humanity and he sees what these shattered expectations look like in the hearts of so many people of the fact that we are, um, we are dying and we do have shortened lifespans and because of the fall, um, everyone is going to die. And so, um, he looks around and and we know that the next part of the story is that he raises Lazarus from the dead to show that he has power over death. And for me with Mary and Martha, I feel like their expectations were just like, listen, I'm walking with God. In fact, 
I got to like hang out with him. He comes and eats at my house. And I wonder if their expectations were like, nothing ever is going to go wrong in my life because I've got Jesus. And, and just to hear them repeat those words, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. And I feel like there are those people that say, God, I've served you all my life. I've walked with you. You've, you've, um, communed with me in my house. You've dined with me. We pray every night. <laughs> you know, uh, I go to church twice a week on Sundays and all those things. And they have this um, expectation that somehow they have a special relationship where hardships are going to pass them up. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not that's not true. That's not the real. That's the ideal, but it's not the real. And I just think in our minds, we have to remember that uh, unfortunately, we do live in a fallen world and people are going to die and things are going to happen. Cars are going to break down. Bills are going to come out of nowhere. Insurances are not going to pay for everything. Whatever the circumstances might be, heartache is going to happen. And yet Jesus is going to meet that need. Again, maybe not in the way that we think he is, but uh, he is going to. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about all that, I couldn't help but think. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, we were this is going to be aired at a later date than we recorded it. But I couldn't help but think of um, the American missionaries left behind in Afghanistan mm-hmm. right now, and how much struggle they must be going through. And they might be having a, a spiritual um, stamina that we don't understand too. But uh, I just, man, my heart goes out for them who. One minute they're preaching the gospel, and the next their uh, their country's left them. They're there in this place that they're probably going to get killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, most likely. Yeah. And just to think about that, uh, and I would encourage anyone listening to, to pray for them Please. in that because they're yeah. they're gonna even at the time that this airs, they're probably still going to be in hiding if they're not already dead. Aww. So uh, yeah, that just made me think of the expectations of even a missionary in, mm-hmm. in another country and how things might turn out. Yeah, and telling God, I went here to serve you. Yeah, why, why I've served you my whole life. Yeah. I came here to serve you, and uh, and like I said, there, God has a way of giving uh, spiritual strength in those times as well. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, and I um, I wanted to share a couple of verses that God put on my heart for this. Um, one of them is in Isaiah sixty one. Uh, it's a really powerful part of um, of Jesus's history when he goes to share in the synagogue and uh, he opens the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to preach and uh, to open the eyes of the blind and to set the captives free. And like, they're all looking and he's like, this statement has been fulfilled in your presence. But another part of Isaiah 61, as he goes on, and this is the reason that Jesus came, is to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then another verse I wanted to share is from Habakkuk. And if you understand the history of Habakkuk, he was basically a prophet that was uh, called to tell the people of Israel that he has essentially reserved them for judgment using the Babylonians because they've forsaken him. And uh, it's, it's not the most hopeful of books, but I feel like it ends with one of the most beautiful summarizations or hopeful statements that a book of the Bible could end with. Because it says in chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, 
Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me to walk on high hills. And um, I just feel like there is that moment of when we doubt God, we have to remember that he is the one that lifts us up and he is the one that even if we breathe our last, he's, he's going to be carrying us yeah. to his home. Yeah, so true. I love that. Yeah, so I hope this spoke to someone out there because, again, um, looking back at my life and the various places that I've been, I've had a lot of expectations and some of them were... I think rooted in the flesh and some of them were rooted in maybe um, a lot of spiritual expectations, but that doesn't necessarily mean they align with what God wants or his timing. That's so true. And yeah, uh, as well. yeah I, I feel like even when God says yes, uh, it may not be at that very moment. That's you know? true. Um, well, what is it? Uh, God's answers are either yes, no, or not right now. Yeah. You know, and maybe there is that, that thing that he wants for you, it's just not in this way. And the last thing I want to do, because I've done it so many times, is force that door open. Because like Abraham, it only results in an Ishmael. It doesn't result a lot of times in the the perfect will of God. It, it results more in like... Permissible. Um, yeah, yeah, well, I was going to say permissible. It, it ends in a mutant, really. <laughs> you know, a mutated form of God's will. And a it's Franken just, will. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like you to meet my Franken will. <laughs> Not the right one, but the variant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's about waiting on him and seeking him and knowing that he's in control and a lot of times on the uh, on the flip side it's a lot easier to say on the back side of, of a of a challenge or a trial it's easier to say well i i just waited on the lord but yeah. going into it it's it's a lot more difficult so we pray that this might have encouraged someone out there and we'd really love to hear your story if it did yeah absolutely and we we know that if you are going through one of those one of those times it, it'll be a hard thing to just listen to a couple guys on a podcast talk about just trust God you know yeah. but the truth of the matter is uh, Josh and I have have both um, tested this with time in our lives and found it to be so true that mm-hmm. that uh, pushing forward with trust in God is it's the only way you're going to find joy on the other end of things. Yes. So um, we, we hope that, if nothing else, you can put some of these truths on the back burner as you're barreling through the hard times and and pull from the scriptures and, and whatnot that we brought in the episode to, to pull out of the arsenal to, to fight bad thinking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Stinking thinking, as I've heard you said before. <laughs> yeah, and... You know, sometimes what makes it a little bit easier is actually walking through it with someone. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage you to find and reach out to someone that can walk with you through this. And if you don't have someone, guess what? You do. Yeah. Right here. Uh, 
as easy as the click of a button, you can send us a message and we're going to be talking to you. We're going to be responding to you. We're going to be praying for you. So take advantage of that community aspect of Snakebird. Yeah. You, you won't get an automated voice on, on our end over here. Just yeah. <laughs> we're not big enough for that yet. <laughs> no. This message is being recorded for quality assurance. <laughs> Press one if you want to talk to another robot. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we really do encourage you to reach out. Um, if it's just support, that's totally fine. Josh and I will respond to you. And um, if it's for an episode topic, we always encourage those too. Maybe yeah. there's something very specific you want us to dive into that's kind of just branched off of this one. Just reach out to us. Let us know what you're thinking and what things you'd like like us to, to dive into and talk about and we'll, we'll learn together yep message us on facebook or email us at connect at basnakebird.com we love to hear from you and we're so thankful for everyone that has already reached out yeah and like a, a dorky youtuber i have to say if you like the <laughs> the podcast uh, please give us a rating and review it helps push the podcast out to more ears and that means more people hearing the gospel. So. Uh, share, like, and subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. I should never use that voice. <laughs> so, snake birds, whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, even in the midst of expectations that are real or shattered, there's never been a better time to trust Jesus through it all. And be a snake bird. we've crossed every eye and oh my gosh my gosh <laughs> let's say that again so uh snake birds always remember whatever you do no matter uh sorry i'm gonna just run over all you <laughs> so just gonna take all of it all the you lines just start reading it all <laughs> yeah.